We want to start off this week's podcast by sending our love and regards to Tom Lockyer and his family, everyone at Luton Town, and want to just celebrate the great efforts of the medical team for both Luton Town and Bournemouth after Saturday's match where Tom went down with suspected cardiac arrest. He's in hospital, there are tests ongoing, and the club will give a full update in due time on his current condition. But we just hope he has a full recovery and we hope that his family are well and with him at this time. This is the beautiful game that he loves and we all love. And it's a shame that, again, he's had another incident that's taken him out from playing and we wish him all the best. And on this week's episode of One Kit From Chloe, we are talking about change. We're talking about some nice things. We're talking about some interesting things as well. And we do want to start off with um, that incident, not so much about Tom Yorkio in particular, but more so about the ongoing concerns in football around players' health and well-being, which has been a topic we've talked about quite a few times throughout the time on this podcast. But it's one that every time we have an incident like this, we have to sit back and reflect on what is being done, what could be done better, and how are things in terms of the welfare for our players. And as always on this podcast, I'm joined by Craig. Yeah. And Matthew, mm-hmm. and we're going to start off there. I guess for you, Craig, when you, not so much this incident with Tom, because like, you know, the club and the family have asked for the privacy, but in general, are you really concerned about player welfare and how we seem to always be on the verge of another incident like this with players going on? And 100% I am very concerned because we're playing, players are playing a lot of football. There's a lot of Premier League football, Championship football, international football. They've got World Cup. Euros and uh, on the Nations League. Nation League. So you've got so much football, our players are getting enough rest. Our players are getting enough time to recover. I know football's a big one in sport now. It's got a lot of money in football now. And that's where for the game has kind of changed a lot from the 80s and early 90s, I would say, where there's a lot of games being played. Players' welfare, they don't really care. Like they can, If you're injured or, or not ever, they can replace you at any moment. So there's not really a care for the players' welfare anymore. It's all about it's a bit a money business money business thing now where everything's about success and failure. So if you're doing well, yeah, if you're not doing well, then we'll discard you kind of thing. I think they need, the authorities need to do more for players' welfare, make sure players are taken care of properly, I would say. Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a big topic of concern. Obviously, we know from next season there's gonna be a new format for the Champions League and, and that's gonna lead to more games of football. We know that because of the Winter World Cup that we had in Qatar, which was a great World Cup, mind you, but accommodating that World Cup meant that the players have taken on extra load and had less rest time. I guess for you, Matthew, what's your general thoughts around this player well-being and what could be done to sort of look into these incidents and try and understand, is there a common link with all these players and what's happening to them? I think, you know, as fans, we all dream and, like one, you know, we all have that dream of being a footballer, you know, being in the glitz, the glamour, playing for different teams, playing all around the world and earning that money. And that's kind of the thing I want to talk about a little bit. Just like Craig said with the money thing is, I think as fans and evil people, even people that complain about the amount of money that they, they get, I think at most part, when we get things like this, we forget that they are still people. They are so ordinary. There are still people just like you and me. They need their rest and they need their time. And as much as we talk about how much money they earn, which, you know, stupid as it may be, they are not invincible. And it's happening too many times in the last, I want to say, what, two times in the last three years that we know of, like, yeah, but Ericsson at the Euros, obviously Lockyer at the weekend at Luton, others that we just do not know about. More needs, in an, in an era of when we're caring more about 
you know, the mental state of people and the health of people. Maybe more needs to be looked into things like this. So those players that are so, so tired, so much demand played on on their bodies and their health and their mind and things like that. More and more players are coming out and saying that actually it was like hell. It nearly killed me. You know, look at that likes of Deli Alley came out. He looks at the likes of um, David Bentley and he came out. I won from a long way back was I think it was someone called Leon McKenzie who played for Norwich. Correct me if I'm wrong. But the same sort of thing happened to him. He retired younger. He just could not take it anymore. It was such a demand. And now it's... As, as it's, it's, it's like Craig said, it's just as, it's more. It wasn't that long ago we were crowding Champions, uh, Man City with Champions League final. That was back in what June. The season keeps back off in August, not including pre-season games. They don't get a they don't get a winker or a moment just to sit down and just recollect their thoughts from the games that has has just happened, and it's only gonna get more and more as the seasons go along. I think at the just Christmas period, they got a, a gap where. They can rest. There's a thing. There's a week or so where they're just not doing any kind of football. But in all honesty, with what the demand had demanded so far, and what they got demanding coming up next year, is that enough? Like, what are these bodies who care so much about people? What are they doing with things when things like this happen? Because with Lockyer alone, it happened twice in a year, in the space of months. So, what are the physios doing? What are the managers doing? What are the clubs doing to make sure this doesn't happen? Because Granted, thank goodness he's okay. Honestly, thank goodness he's okay. You know, it would have been bad if it was something worse. So, like, what are these charities and owners and peoples? And they, you buy them all the big money and push them out there and do the game. What are you doing for them as employees? You know, what are you doing? That's a big, big question to ask. Obviously, of course, we know, like, from this year with Rafael Varane, he came out in the summer and said as well that you know, the official congestion is too much. I think. Even I heard um, younger players at Madrid, like Shumani and Kamavinga themselves, both having a conversation saying that for them, it's like it's a lot. Because I think as much as footballers are really well compensated, and that is always the argument that gets put whenever you say about their well-being is, yeah, but they get paid really well. They do get paid really well. But the big difference now in football compared to, say, even like the early 2000s, is the intensity of matches is much higher on a on a game-by-game basis. In the early 2000s, there were much, some matches where like before kickoff, the opposition knew they lost. So they probably didn't try as hard. Yeah. The, the team that w- were going to win knew they were going to win before kickoff, not because the game was fixed, but because they were just that much better. And so they didn't, they could, what you call active resting games, they could get two, three nil up before halftime and then just kind of cruise the rest of the game. So it's very different. Whereas now every point is so precious every the way how managers drill their team and it's not to like point a finger of blame at any one individual thing it's how can we look at the whole system and make it better and i think that's where the conversation needs to go it's not just about saying clubs should do this coaches should do that players should do that but actually holistically and as a whole how can we all come together and make this better Mm -hmm. UEFA and fifa have to take a big look in the mirror and say look we are flogging this these people to make a profit and if they can't perform, then what do you really have? I mean, it, mm. it's it's a blessing that we didn't lose too many top players to the World Cup, you know, with injuries, but we did lose a few. And you think with the fixtures keep going, you know, you don't want to have a World Cup where you don't have the best players compete. I mean, imagine if this past World Cup, there was no Messi, Neymar, Mbappe or Ronaldo there. I know Ronaldo's not what he used to be, but imagine if there was none of them. And you're, like, you're, and you're thinking, who are we going to look at next? You know, you don't really want to have that. So I think that's a that's a big point of that needs to be addressed and definitely one I need to look into. 
Um, and we'll see how that goes. In terms of other changes that's happening, of course, we had the news as well announced by um, Sir Ian Wright, I'm calling that, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uncle Wrighty, uh, that he will be leaving match the day at the end of the season, which is a big shock to all of us, but uh, he feels it's the right time. And, you know, I know he's coming in a Netflix movie coming out in January. So if you guys like, just stay tuned for that because, you know, Uncle Wrighty's acting, acting. <laughs> but for you, Craig, like, how did you take that news and what's one of your favourite memories of Ian Wright on Match Today? I, I was shocked. I thought he had a good partnership with him, Gary, Gary um, Lineker and Alan Schurer had a great bond, the way how they worked together. Um, I don't know, maybe he's moving on to bigger and better things. Maybe. Maybe he just wants to take it, just, just take it more, spend more time with his family. I know he's got young kids as well. So he wants to spend time with his young kids, watch them grow up and all that. So I was, I was, I was a bit surprised that he decided to leave. Maybe he wants to leave on a high, and then give it to the younger guys to take over. So maybe that Sean Wright Phillips might take over, have more time on. Um, my best moment uh, when we beat Bournemouth last season, and he was so excited. I saw it online. He was so happy that we won. And uh, you know he's always been a good, great ambassador for football. Not just not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. He's done a lot of charity work, and he's very good with the women's game as well. Mm-hmm. Promoting the women's game a lot. He's always like he's always promoting the women's football. Um, what I was gonna say, he's just a legend, man. He does, you know, he does, he does like, um, you know, he's the guy. That I, he's the guy I looked up to when I was growing up, like because he was the guy who, who was the guy at Arsenal, and he and even still, still to this day, like. He's still inspiring people who want to make it late in, in pro football, who never thought there was an opportunity for him to make it. And he had the opportunity, he never gave up, and he followed his dreams and was given the opportunity, and he took it with both hands. Imagine if we find another Ian Wright today. There's a lot of them out there, but not given the opportunity, so. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the big thing. Obviously, a lot of people have that talent, and, and it's just, if you're not given the opportunity to show it, then you can't get really far. Mm. And it's a testament to him that he was able to do that. I guess for you, Matthew, how different do you think that is now going to be like Match of the Day? And what would you say is probably his legacy from his time on Match of the Day? I think his legacy goes beyond even Match of the Day because if you think about all the things he's done since hanging up his boots and going into punditry and other things like that, he throws himself into literally everything that he does you know whether it's presenting or he's talking about the women's game social media he wants to get involved i think he's very he's very he's very adaptable he's a very adaptable guy because he knows and he looks at what's coming up and where interest lies and he, what he does he try he jumps onto something that's growing or there's something that 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 will grow like the women's game like on podcasts and things like that and i think he's looking at his time on match of the day where it's just like it's a saturating thing and I think I want to. I want to try. Well, I still can. Well, I still got the energy. I want to jump on to the next, like, big thing that I think is gonna be good for like for like football and things like that. So maybe he he. It wouldn't surprise me if he could could possibly go around like if he hasn't already done go around schools like school football places and be like, look, you get to a certain age, it can happen for you if you work for it. If you've got good coaches and good people around him. Like he did, you know, remember he talks about his teacher who always believed in him and stuck by him. And just like, you know, just these are the kind of people that you got to be listening to and just like, like just cheering you on for everything um, that you do. So his legacy is, it goes beyond match of the day because he just throws himself 
into everything that he does. And you have to admire it. And he does well at it because he works at it. It doesn't just come easy. He works at it. You can see that he does. And he loves it and he's happy to do it. He's passionate about it, you know, and he's always on hand to give like his wisdom and his experience to people to be like, don't do this, do this, be patient because I know it will come by, you know, stick to this. You know, if, if he tells you to do something, you're going to do it. If he tells you to stay in school, you'll do it. If he tells you to apply for that job, sit, and sit, sit straight, sit right, you'll do it. And I think it's, it's a luxury to have someone like him around. Because he, it you just you just feel it off him. When was the last time you saw a someone didn't like him, or b he didn't light up a room? Like think about it. As for match of the day, it's it's a funny one because like the whole BBC is going through this whole thing of change. So it's gonna be interesting who they bring in in his place. I think they're gonna do like maybe like a veteran who retired like what ten maybe even five years ago, something like that. It's just just to have more familiar, uh, more of a familiar thing of how the, the game is now. So, like how I did with Michael Richards, who has a non-language, not language retired, but he recognises how the game is. So maybe they bring in someone, you know, only retired five, six years ago or so, and then just kind of, kind of just see what goes from there. But they're struggling because they're fighting on like streamers, against some streamers and influencers and stuff like that. So whoever they got in has got to be a big draw, big, big draw. Yeah, it's definitely got to be a big, big shot. We know for certain it might be Joe Barton. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but let, let's talk about uh, Uncle Wrighty's beloved Arsenal. A 2-0 win at home against Brighton. Waka, waka, eh, eh. 60 million down the drain. Kai Havertz scores again. It's <laughs> on a good run of game, run of form. Getting the goals that matter. Showing in match after match that sometimes... With a transfer, it, it does take time and the manager's plan needs to be given time to come to fruition. Sometimes you can see from the outset a player's just not gonna work. But also at the same that same token as fans, it's it's maybe like a testament to maybe a bit of patience is was required. I think the key thing people had been saying from the summer as well with Kai Havertz is that he hadn't played with all of our key players. And Chenko wasn't fit when he was starting most of those games. So he didn't have that key structure. Jesus wasn't always next to him in the middle either. And yet, now that we've got all these key pieces back together, minus Tommy P, we you're starting to see the guy flourish. And now the big question is like, how far can you go? And and the role that was created for him with Shaka's departure, it's now starting to make a lot more sense. For you, Craig, how happy are you not only with the performance, but uh, the team performance, but also with Kai Havertz as well and his growing influence in this Arsenal team? Well, I'm happy with the team performance. It was a great win yesterday. We, we scored two late goals, well, one second half, one towards the end of the game. Brighton didn't have a sniff at all in the second half. That was, um, Faso Gross would have scored, but he went wide. Other from that, we played solid again. Gabriel, again, at centre-back. I think he has to be up there for one of the players of the season, centre-back. He's been solid. Ever since he's been dropped at the start of the season, he didn't sulk or didn't moan. He just got on with it, got back into the team. Sim and Saliba had the best defensive partnership this season. I think we have nine clean sheets in the league now. That's the best in the league. Um, so we know how to shut down teams now. And I thought that with Kai Havertz, everyone was saying what a waste of money. But I think he's proven his point now that he, he's going to be a great player for us. I know some Chelsea fans will say that, that why do we pay all that money for him? But I think Arteta saw something in him that other managers in the past didn't really see what he could do or never played him in position, the right position, I would say. 
and he's got a good young team around him. You've got Saka, you've got Odegaard, you've got um, Declan Rice, and you've got Jesus, you've got Martinelli, you've got Trossard. So you've got the key impo- key opponent um, in- ingredients there for him to feed off and work. So, yeah, I think that he's done well. And I think he'll, and I think this season he'll definitely get um, 10, 10 or more goals this season if he continues scoring the way he's scoring right now. And he'll beat the record that he scored at Chelsea last season, how many goals he scored. So well, he already has. I think he has already beaten how many goals he scored at Chelsea last season. So I think, oh, I think the fans, I think the fans were a bit harsh at first to get onto his back because he's a new player. And I think sometimes with new players, you have to give them time to settle in and all that. And I thought that, I think because he came for so much money, and of course he didn't do well at Chelsea last season or whatever. Everyone thought, oh, why are we buying him? But he's proven his point, and that's what you do. When when you like when you're underdog and everyone writes you off and says why are you wasting money on him, you go out there and, and prove to everyone wrong, and that's what he's doing. So fair play to him. Lay long, live long, make continue. So yeah. yeah. And just a clarification on the clean, sheet, clean sheets, Mark. Arsenal, Newcastle both have seven clean sheets this season. Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United all have six clean sheets this season. Then mm. it's Palace, Fulham and Tottenham with five and then Villa and Bournemouth with four. No Man City in sight. Says a lot really, doesn't it? Says mm. a lot. Um, yeah, a very important result that just to kind of run over some stats of the Arsenal game. So possession wise, it was 48.8% to Arsenal, 51.2% to Brighton. Arsenal had a total of 26 shots to Brighton, six. Only nine on target from that one for Brighton. Um, Arsenal had 10 corners to Brighton's one. And uh, passes-wise, Arsenal had 516 passes to Brighton's 550. The start I want to homing on is that 26 shots to six. This was clearly a game where Arteta coached a 5-0. We only got two. How important, Matthew, do you think it is that this dominance that Arsenal have been showing throughout the season, a, a different kind of dominance to last year. Whereas last year it was more like um, a, a battering ram or a firing, hammering tongs or like a fire and brimstone type effect, like where we were just blitzing teams for, for fun. Mm. Whereas this year it's a lot more methodical. It's almost like the Man City's death by a thousand cuts, but we're doing more like a death, death by 50 cuts because we haven't quite figured out how to kind of get the goal in the net <laughs> more the volume but how impressive pressed are you with what Arsenal are doing so far hate to admit it you know because it's working and that's the kind of thing that I want to see for our club not not exactly what you do but just having a system where you don't where you know what to do if things go wrong if you're one nil down you know even if it doesn't work in the end you know you have that system you play it over and over again and the next game you know you may smell a little bit of blood you turn up the heat just just a little bit. It's like the per- perfect recipe every single time. And you've worked so hard to get from point A or point A to point B, but you've kept on doing that every single season. So where you are now, you had the few little bits there with your rices, your habits, Travis Trossard came in earlier in the year, you know, and you've got rid of the things that probably just didn't work. You know, it's a, it's a credit to how you've done with it. And Arteta clearly had this idea for a very long time. He just needed support and backing and just explain the reasons for why he's doing what he's doing. You know, like you said, this is probably one of the games where a five could have been had against, you know, a good opposition in Brighton who were doing well in Europe still. So, and Grant is not a big club, but they're a club that I want to watch because of the, their position in the, um, in the table. But, Look, whatever you're doing right now, it's clearly working. And what makes it 
what what makes it worse for your position coming up is that there's two sides of Arsenal you can get. You can get the team that's all fire and brimstone, but you can also get that other one that's death by 50 cuts. It all, so it all depends on your approach. Like with Man City, again, if you approach them in a certain way and get them, you could be all right. But if you go in them and you show that little bit too much respect and, you know, work, and then God, like, you know, hero worship, they're going to they're gonna show you why they are in the way they are in, in the season. And I've said before, your place this year is better than it was last year because there aren't many errors or problematic areas in the team bar from maybe the guy in the sticks. Mm. But you'll certainly get over that. You've got two starters. That's right. You've got two starters for crying out loud. One of them is bound to do good. And he, got, he got a clean sheet. Um, it gets back to winning ways with a clean sheet. So yeah, clearly you can manage to get over that one. I think it's because you've all got a target in mind where it's either going to be some kind of silverware or finishing very firmly in the top four, which is going to keep everybody happy. That's that's why they're there for 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 you know obvious for obvious reasons. But um, it depends. It's how many games are we now? Twenty something. What twenty one? Maybe twenty one. Nineteen. Twenty twenty one. Uh, so we currently have played 17 games. 17 games. So let's say it's around a third of the games. Let's say it's around about that, maybe slightly less. You know, you need to keep that on for longer. You need to keep that. The season's only going to get more demanding. Your international duty coming up for the Euro, so a lot more demand for international duty during the year, building up to that. You've obviously got your Champions League group announced today with Porto. That's going to be a demanding with the travel and all that. Should you get any further, maybe even more demanding. You've got the FA Cup coming up, which you know you're going to want to do something like that, not including the Premier League. So you've done well with it so far now, being still within the top three of the main clubs competing for the title, it's going to get way more difficult um, going in as the season's end. You fell off around March and April. That's something that you can't afford. You know, you've got to, if you want to, if you want what you want after 20 years, you've got to keep going from, from here all the way to the end. No, slow it now. Yeah. So two games away from the halfway point in the season, um, well, Bolo into a third into it. So things are going quite well in that regard. And it's going to be important to maintain that form. Obviously, the big game coming up next is Liverpool at Anfield on the weekend. So that's going to be quite a seismic one. I guess for you, Craig, just looking ahead to that fixture, considering how last year's fixture went, and it was a bit disappointing, the outcome, because we after 23 minutes being 2-0 up at Anfield, that's unheard of. For Arsenal in recent times, we we, we go there, we get beaten. It's been like, that's just what happened. <laughs> uh, and to, but to put up a good performance and to really have them on the ropes, I mean, if, if we'd scored the third chance we had in that match, it really could have been something special. It would have been a cricket score. But <laughs> how, what do you think needs to be different this time around with the result and having looked at how they played against Man United, and we'll get on to that in a second, how much encouragement do you have for how we will perform against them at home, at their home? Well, the defend we can we can definitely test the defenders, like Trent. Trent's good going forward, but defending Martinelli will ha- will absolutely destroy him. Um, Gabriel Jesus scored a good goal ahead of last season against home um, against Allison. So I fancy if we can get a couple of goals up early. The only mistake we made last season was we riled up the Anfield crowd. Granite Jack had riled up the Anfield crowd. Never ever do that because that's their 12th man. Once that crowd starts getting ha- uh, act like 
they, up and stuff. Then yeah, we'll need to go there. They're going to be hostile. The fans are going to be hostile towards us. If we go two or three nil up early, I think this season we've got a stronger midfield. That can rise, can shut down. I think our midfield is better than their midfield anyway. So if we, we can shut down their midfield, Gabriel and Saliba never played that game last season. If you're playing that game, I don't think we'd have lost that game, to be honest with you. So if we can shut down their midfield, shut down their, their attackers, we should win the game. But one thing about Liverpool is that they they they, they drew yesterday, but one thing you got to worry about them, they're going to be like a wounded animal because they always score at home. So we have to make sure we can keep a clean sheet at Anfield. Not a lot of teams have gone to Anfield and kept a clean sheet in a long time. They always score goals at home. And not just one goal, two or three or four. So we have to make sure we don't make no individual errors. Everyone plays as a team. We work hard for each other. But I do fancy, like, I fancy Saka against Timbercast as well. So I fancy our wingers to get joy out of the players. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be one one good battle. And of course, the key player we have, we didn't have last year, is Mr. Declan Rice, Arsenal's player of the month again. Most matches, he's man of the match. The guy is just oh, so good. Like, you know, I, I saw a tweet the other day, was looking at, you know, who, who was the better value for money for the 100 million, Grealish versus Rice. Does that require an answer? Really? Oh. Does it require an answer? <laughs> I like Jack. I like him, but... Look, I'm sorry, but English English, English Alex Slep. But um, I guess for you, Matthew, what difference do you think having Rice in midfield is going to have for that match? And obviously there's a lot of talk as well that Partey might be available, might make an appearance. But but how important do you think Rice is going to be? Um, as vital as he's been up to this point up of the season, like just so so important, you know, having a presence there, you know, a leader in his own right, someone who's, you know, who learned, who's, you know, learned how to lead a midfield and hold tight a midfield, you know, and it was such a big problem for you last year, for you last year, you were fun and you were adventurous, but one thing you weren't was organised and he has come in that and made the bit that needs to be organised, organised and the bit, left a fun bit to everyone else. So you going into Anfield, they're going to recognise that as a threat. You know, he's, it's not just a fact of the position he plays or how good he is and the, and the command he is, he requires, he's, he above all is a leader and they're going to recognise that sort of thing. So they're going to want to, if they're going to want to like really test your, it's it's not even going to be one in against the midfield, but they're going to want to test yours just because yours is better than theirs at the moment. But that doesn't, their attack has always been consistent throughout these years. So the game is going to be decided by, I think by two factors, how good their attack is and how good your midfield is. Because you said earlier about a, a presence, a wind up merging in the team, but you don't want to wind up the uh, Anfield crowd. So if there's one person that's going to wind people up, I reckon if he plays, it will be Ramsdale because he's that kind of person to do something like that. He ain't going to play. If he plays. He ain't going to play. Of course. <laughs> no, but Raya's doing the... But, but also Raya, you know, he's recovered from the last game against um, against, against Villa. Yeah, against Villa. So, look, this is much... It's a much closer game than it was last year. Last year, you almost conquered that hoodoo with Liverpool. This year, you conquered the hoodoo with Man City, which I think is going to give you a lot of stones walking into this game. So, I don't think this is going to be a Liverpool runaway that we've known, and it wasn't that last year. So, dare to dream. That's not our motto, but I take the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> I take the sentiment indeed. 
Uh, yeah, we just do. We don't dare to dream. We actually do. And like some clubs out there. <laughs> anyway, um, Man City. Bit of a weird situation for them. They're going, I say a weird situation. I feel like this is what happens when you cheat. Eventually you get caught. And then whilst we're going through the process of dealing with the you getting caught out and you having to make up your excuses, things start to fall around around you. That'd be a lesson for people out there. Cheating never works. It doesn't pay off. It ain't worth it. But they drew 2-2 at home after being comfortably 2-0 up against Crystal Palace. I have to say credit to Roy Hodgson, who just knows how to get his players to do what needs to be done. At the Etihad. You know, he just knows what to do at that, that ground. And Mikel Lise getting that crucial penalty. I was unlucky with a free kick earlier in the, in the half as well, but that kid's diamond. Uh, I guess to start with you, Matthew, what can you say about what's happening at, at, at the Etihad? And, and do we think this could be the end of... Well, I say, do we think, like, I personally would like him to stay a little bit longer just so we can dunk on his head a bit longer. But <laughs> do you think this might be the beginning of the end for Guardiola and his time at Man City as well? Funny you say that, you know, because I one thing I haven't done is a hot take and I've just come up with one right now that I've seen. Go for it. I think he's losing the dressing room. Oh. I think he's losing. Very slowly. I'm talking two miles an hour a day. But it's slowly, it's not all harmonious in the sky blues. That's scorching, I know. But the results are not what you expect of a keen team that's trying to defend another title, going for a record winning title. I think it's like seven and how many years or something like that? Well, it'll be a four P if they do it. A four time, which has never, yeah, four P, which has never been done. Been, and you, from the moment, the first game of the season with Pep and Hart and Holland, the last game they had, I think they, they drew, they, he wasn't happy in another game. But I think some players are not happy. I don't know about that one, Chief. I'm just saying a, harm, a harmonious team doesn't perform like that, especially one as good as them. I told you it was a hot take, but like, they could... The compl- I think I think that that 115 charges is lim- take it from someone who knows when outside problems linger over your heads as a club they affect you more than they do and I think it's affecting a lot of them now because a lot of people know and they saw what happened with Everton you know and I think it's coming in their mind where there's 115 they're aware of something that's going to happen and they just do not know we're not as cohesive as they were even when the likes of Roger coming in, it still doesn't seem to solve much of a problem. We could talk about De Bruyne. We can always talk about De Bruyne, but he's still they've gotten more than enough there that's going to get him out of a get him out of a jam. But a wall, I think we touched on this, I think we've you said this before. They've lost a lot of their like core heart like players, like your Gundawans, like your Mares, obviously um De Bruyne's out. And I think it's a case of where they need to kind of establish what it means to play for Manchester City going after that under the demands that Pep has and the standard that they have. They've been used to this standard for more than 10 years, being in that kind of frame of success and performing. So did they go to, did they do a Liverpool and go too hard the previous season and now they're going to have somewhat of an off season? You know, no one really knows, but they're not as cohesive as they have been in the past. And I can only drop it down to some kind of, something's happening backstage, whether it's to do with the players, whether it's to do with the 115 charges, 
Not a clue. I don't know. It's one of those, one of the two. But um, hey, look, keep him around a little bit longer so we can slowly crumble at that empire. That is slowly a, crumble. That's a very hot take. I mean, I actually went back and looked at the Premier League table last season at this same point in time after this many games, and they were on 41 points in second place. Arsenal were top in 43 points. Their goal difference was plus 32. They had won 13, drawn two, lost two. So far this season, they have 34 points. Just a, a bit of a drop off there. They have won 10, drawn four, lost three. Their goal difference is 20. So yeah, there's a noticeable drop off. I think the big thing is they're conceding a lot more goals. Mm. Uh, and they're not winning as much as they used to, or scoring as much. So not dominating either. Gone from 50 goals down to 40, gone from. 18 goals conceded to 20. So it's not a massive drop-off, but you know that that 10 goals drop-off and scored is, is big. But yeah. So interesting take, Craig. Do you back it or do you think that's probably a bit of a rich bit of a reach to say? I kind of have to side on Matthew on this one, you know. I feel like <laughs> I think there must be cracks in the change of room, really and truly, because they're not performing how they were performing last season. I know they're missing De Bruyne, but one player doesn't make a team. They still got quality. They got Bernardo Silva. They got. They still got Haaland. They got Alvarez. They got Doku. They got Grealish. They got Foden. They got core trouble winners last season. So mm. maybe, maybe sometimes as a club, as a manager, you're hearing the same boys over and over and over again. It gets. It can get anyone so much together. Sometimes I think a change, a change of voice, could be the difference in the club. So maybe. They're tired of winning now. They've won everything now. They've won everything. <laughs> I don't know about that tired of winning. That's just a strong thing to say, but... but you know what I mean? They're, they're, they've won everything now. So maybe they're thinking, you know what? I'm tired. I've done everything I can. We so rest. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel the other teams like Arsenal and Liverpool are more hungry as well. Because Liverpool only won it once since Guardiola's been there. Mm. Arsenal haven't won it at all. No, they've since... only won it once, full stop. Yeah, they only won it once. Arsenal <laughs> haven't won it yet, but... Not throwing shade, it's the truth. You've only won one Premier League title. They've only won it once, and City have been winning it, dominating for a long time. So I feel mm. like sometimes eras, dominant eras, do come to an end. They it, do. Ten Hag said that, but you're not part of it. So <laughs> on the sidelines, still, boy. But like, I feel like, 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 even when Man United were winning the league all the time, and then their era of the South Ferguson left, their domination of the Premier League just went um. down. Every team, Liverpool in the 80s and 70s and 80s were dominating for a long time. Their era went down. Arsenal from the 98 to 2004, that era of winning leagues and winning FA Cups. It's a cycle. Everyone has that. Chelsea was 2004, 5 till... Till 10, 11, 12. They've kind of sprinkled about. Sprinkled. Yeah. yeah. Their era's kind of... They're trying to come back again, trying to make the comeback, but their era's kind of gone down as well. So every, every big club goes through a cycle... And then, then when their time is to come back again, they'll come back again eventually. But I think it's better, it's better that way than not all one team winning the league all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes a big difference. We'll see whether, you know, what, what can happen. But here's a dilemma for Manchester United fans. I have to put it to you because you have to choose one of three fates this season and none of them are ones you're going to like. Either Man City do a four-peat, Liverpool get their 20th league title, which is the whole reason Sir Alex Ferguson was one of the main things he wanted to achieve before he retired and did it with Robin Van Persie, which is why he wore number 20 on his shirt. For those of you who didn't know, that's the reason why. Or Arsenal win their first league title in 20 years. So pick one. 
pick your poison because it, there is no other alternative. <laughs> One of those three things will happen this season, unless unless if Aston Villa pull off a miracle and win the league, mm. which mm. is not impossible. Do a Leicester, but it's unlikely. So you got to pick your poison. Me, I feel like we should work together, mm. and let Arsenal win it because I think that's the least of your biggest problems. Man City winning it four times in a row. That's Ferguson's legs in the mud again. The treble last season is in the mud. Mm. Liverpool getting to number twenty. After Ferguson worked so hard to get that 20, <laughs> you don't want that. Arsenal, look, I know we have our thing. I know we have our rivalry, but in the grand scheme of things, Liverpool and Man City are bigger problems. They are bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> We're not an issue. <laughs> but um, yeah, I say all of that to say it's it's tough for them right now because they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But pick one. Um but of course, they they held Liverpool to a draw at Anfield. Uh, Virgil van Dijk was very, very complimentary to Manchester United and said, you know, how they came and didn't want to play football, which shows how far you have fallen. So like I said, of your three options, just pick the one in red and white, yeah? Um, but I guess for you, Craig, when you look back on that game, what's something that stands out to you? And like Matthew was talking about the dressing room issues at Man City that he perceives could be a problem. Do you think the 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 stench at Old Trafford is starting to really kind of cloud everything that's happening and what they do? I feel, I feel ownership is the biggest problem right now. The, the, Sir Jim Radcliffe still hasn't been taken over the club yet and it's still it's taking longer and longer and longer. January's coming up. They need new... They're definitely need new players. 100% they need new players. They, they need to shift out some of the bad, the deadwood. They've still got a lot of deadwood in the club that needs to go. Still don't know what's going to happen with the manager. Is he going to get sacked? Is he going to stay? Is the, is the new owners going to want to make a change? Um, you got people like Sancho. What's going to happen with him? You got Martial. You got a lot of Deadwood club. You got a lot of Deadwood players in the club that need to be. They just need to go now. Oh, they, they've been there for a long time. You know, say that. Thank you for your help and your services. Time to take time to take a different chapter. I feel that. That's as I said before, and I'll say it again. My night is one of the clubs that you can never write off. They can they can go on a long run. They can go on a long unbeaten run. And then act like nothing ever happened in the past. Mm. That's the thing. They can do that. And then you're thinking, how do they do it? That's one club you can never write off. They've won so many titles. They've won so many trophies. They know how to come back and and, and go on ability, about yeah. the bounce back ability. Look at last week. They lost, they lost the game. This week they go to Anfield and get a draw. Everyone, all of us here can say, we thought Liverpool were going to tank them like all seven, yeah. seven or yeah. eight. No, we're going to give yeah. them a big battering. They can go to Anfield and get a nil-nil draw. Then they go to the next game and they could lose the next game. And then you think to yourself, where's it? they're not consistent. Mm. But yeah. They wouldn't know consistency if you slapped them in the face. That's <laughs> <laughs> just not that's not their way of doing things. I don't understand it. But I think that's that's a concern. They need to find that consistency. Obviously, holding Liverpool to a nil-nil, on the one hand, it's admirable. The same token, it's not what you'd want to see from Manchester United. But we know right now, this is not Manchester United. This is Man Red. <laughs> and until they get their official licenses and figure out who they are, they're going to be stuck in this kind of weird cycle. But I want to focus on one player from Manchester United that I think, especially in this game, really disappointed me. And this season has really disappointed me. And I was talking to a friend who's a Man United fan on the weekend and, and he... He's kind of have what we call the Walcott syndrome. Now, the Walcott syndrome, now I like Theo Walcott, don't get me wrong. 
but anyway, Walcott syndrome <laughs> is what happens when a player is on the verge of getting a new contract and they son, somehow turn into peak Omri. And then once they sign that contract, they go back into being peak uh, Yaya Sonogo or Maraman Shamak, whichever one you prefer. <laughs> and I think with Rashford, last year he was doing amazing things on the pitch. Mm. And yet this season, it's like the guy has forgotten the fundamental basics of football. Sometimes when it's not working out for you, you need to shift. You need to move. There was a pass that Sofiane uh, Amrabat. Amrabat played towards him on the weekend. He was on the wing. Sofiane had won it back and passed to it. Admittedly, the pass was, was slightly, it was not, it was misplaced. But it's the fact that Rashford didn't even attempt to reach it. He just stood and watched the ball roll past him like, like, <laughs> bruv, you're not Ronaldo. And even when Ronaldo used to do that, it used to annoy me because I'm like, because you could, you could, you could probably get there. I know you got a sprint a bit, but you could probably just get a touch on it, and you never know, you might make something. But you just watched it go past, like, nah, I ain't stretching for that. How do you? How, how do? How does? How does? Like from a football perspective, how do you look at Rashford where he's at, and what do you think needs to happen now? I think we said this. I think not week ago, last week. Controversial. I think he needs to move. I think he needs to go. I think he's mutually between him and the club. They're not giving him what he wants. And I don't think he's giving them what they want. Not in recent times anyway. Not that explosive pace and that, that enthusiasm and that excitement that he used to get when he put on that shirt and go on there and deliver. Even when he was at his rawest, it was something quite dangerous about him because you just didn't know what he was going to do. I just think years upon years of disappointment, years upon years of pressure, years upon years, you know, you know his, the fact that football, I don't think he has a massive... This is going to sound very... No, it's not going to sound strange because a lot of footballers have said it. I don't think the passion's there anymore. Mm. He's had off off pitch things that he's had much more importance on, whereas whether it's giving food to like the poor, obviously that that, that um, horrible thing that happened after the Euros. And I think he's having like a, like a crisis of faith in, in, in the sport because it's like, am I loving it as much as I do? I delivered, I tried my best and it almost feels like it wasn't enough. And this time it's showing a little because he's, He's nowhere near the form he was last season. They're, they're out of the Champions League on, on a whimper. They're out of the Carabao Cup. They're not going to do much in the Premier League. And then, of course, he always had the FA Cup, something they can rely on. But as where, as for what is what he can do and what he's capable of, it hasn't... I think he's reaching the end of his tether. I do think a move will do him some good. Where that move is, I don't know. But he needs to kind of have a of a, of a rejuvenation because we know of what an exciting player he can be. You know, and just, you know, at, at his, his age dictates that. He's not old. He's still got time where he can put more on his game, have a late bloom and go on and do something crazy. He could do a, a knee and right and go on. If if he keeps that, that skill, that technique he has, and, you know, that deadly right foot he has, he's still, he's still got years ahead of him. But I just, it almost feels like he's falling out of love with, with the club and he sees it. He's also not doing enough to drag them, which I think many people are convinced by, dragging them out of where they are right now. For me, he's a centre forward that's playing on the wing and he needs to get back into the middle and get back to basics. And if anything, if Man United right now, of how they're struggling to find goals, struggling to create stuff, 
try a two up front with Hodgeland and Rashford and have Rashford playing slightly off Hodgeland and to the left-ish with Garnacho further outside of him. Just try it. We never know. At Arsenal, we struggled with Lacazette and Aubameyang in, in um, Emery's first season. What does he do? How does he make it work? Just put them both up front and say, you know what, you lot figure it out. And we scored so many goals. Yeah. Fortunately, the new contract came and then Lacazette put on weight. Lacazette stopped scoring. Aubameyang gave up football. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> but at least, you know, mm. they got to try something. I think mm. playing him off the wing to me, it's just it's wasted. I know he likes to dribble, I like to do all that kind of stuff. And I look at Mbappe in a similar vein when he had Messi and Ronaldo, you know, Messi and Neymar, and now this season when he doesn't have them. Yes, he might look better in some regards because he's got the space and the freedom when he's playing wider. But I think last year he was a better player. Mm. And I think now you're seeing the, what happens when you give into player power and give them what they want, but actually it's not necessarily the best thing for them. So Rashford, get back through the middle, mate. And, you know, that's where you, where you belong and that's what we want to see from you. Um, we'll end on your game. Sheffield United, 2-0 win. With Chelsea, it kind of feels like it's redundant talking about you guys because you just seem to pick up points, lose points, pick up points, lose points. You're just so inconsistent. But you won. And it's good. Um, what's your overall kind of summary and your thoughts on the game and what's next for you guys? Next few games we got, we've got Wolves next, then we've got Palace next. And then got our first game against is Newcastle tomorrow night at the Carabao Cup. M- majority of those are winnable games. I just think that... It was a much changed side, obviously, with um, like a lack of Sanchez being goal. We got a very young keeper. I think he did really well in the um, um, uh, preseason. He did really well, well, really well there. And I think also having a boost of Nkunku on the bench, I think gives a slight little glimmer of hope. Wherever he, where he's actually going to play during this Christmas period, I do not know. But I just think we've got to take each game with a different kind of like I think what happened is he found a good team that he liked and then we had the international break after Man City and then it all fell to pot and it hasn't really worked since then I truly think now it's a case of you've got all these players play them every even because we're not in a position where we have a set team that's going to be good enough to perform because it's just not working what you need to do we have right now it's not the best thing to do but seeing as we're so experimental right now and seeing as we're so young, start chopping and changing. And that chop and change works, granted, against Sheffield United, who Sheffield United who are the bottom club, we're not in a position to be picking and choosing when we want to win. We have to win every single game that is in front of us. So if tomorrow's game, if anything, I expect more changes there. You know, experiment a little bit. You know, have your main players that should be playing, like your Jacksons, like your Palmers, like your Mudricks, who still needs game, keep playing Kaiseido. With Enzo, it's not working with him playing every single time, although Enzo would have been good against Sheffield United. Find a spot for him. If eventually, Levy is going to come in. Fafana will come back. And then you've got Nkunku as well. And it looks like he's coming in, potentially at the right time, when we're going to have more tough games. We're going to go to the Emirates. We're going to go to Anfield. We're going to go to um, the Etihad. We're going to need someone like that who knows how to find goal. Hopefully he's retained some of that form from pre-season. We'll never know. But this is, no, we're experimental. The games are going to come thick and fast. Mix around. We've got not that much to lose at the moment, you know. So providing we don't end up in a relegation fight, just 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 keep mixing. You've got the ingredients there. Just keep... 
and keep the players behaving. They'll, get them, they'll keep getting them sent off for crying out loud. We've got two games with no red cards. So that's great. Well, maybe three. But yeah, just just keep working with the players. You got keep if you're gonna have if you're gonna keep these young players happy, you're gonna have to have, you're gonna have to find a spot for them. This is the jam that we're in because the likelihood of us getting anyone in January should not even be on the cards. We've got two, maybe two and a half you know, squads worth of players. So, you know, keep playing. Get everyone a minute. Bros are playing and all that kind of stuff. Keep just keep keep it going. Keep it going. But but let's build on this win. Let's build on this win. That's gonna be important building on the win and we'll see how things go. But just to recap the top uh the Premier League table for as of this game week, as of right now, Arsenal top on thirty nine points, Liverpool in second, joint well, Liverpool, Aston Villa both on 38 points. Liverpool second, Aston Villa third. Man City in fourth on 34 points. Big shock this early in the season, but it's Man City. Never write them off. Tottenham are behind them in fifth on 33. Newcastle in sixth on 29. Man United in seventh on 28 points. Top four might not be that far away. Man United, you could still make it. West Ham in eighth on 27. And Brighton on in ninth on 26. Chelsea in tenth on 22 points. Fulham <laughs> in 11 on 21 points. Brentford... Wolves and Bournemouth all have 19 points each. Then in 15th place, we've got Crystal Palace on 17th play, 17 points. Everton in 16th on 16 points. Big claps for Sean Dyche. Four wins on the bounce. They've got Tottenham next in the league away from home. That could be five and five. It should be five and five. Make it five and five. <laughs> uh, Nottingham Forest in 17th on 14 points. Very interesting for chain of fortunes for them this season. They are ones to be concerned about the drop. Then the bottom three, Luton on in 18th place on nine points. Burnley in 19th place on eight points. And Sheffield United also in the bottom of the table on eight points as well. Burnley surprises me a lot, but there's still time for them to figure things out and we'll see how things go. Uh, we're going to have a different episode for Christmas, so stay tuned for that. And we'll see you all properly in our next full episode in the week of Madness of Fixtures. Take care, everyone. Peace. Peace. Peace.